I was looking for my soul. DJ Chauncey Dundridge gave it back to me. Hi, my name is Dr. Richard Mills, and you are listening to Talk Sex with Dick. I have a very special guest with me today, Chris. Hi, Chris. Hi. So we are up. How many feet are in a mile? Do you know how many feet are in a mile? I don't know, like 3,000? 6,000 feet. And we are up in the air, all the way up, flying with Alaskan Airlines during this pandemic. And so I am real excited. It's a real exciting time for us to be. We had to leave the big city. This is how many weeks have we been in quarantine? Um, I've lost count, but I think maybe five, six. It's been way too long. And so we were, we live in Astoria and it's, you know, we live in a real small apartment. Well, it's 500 square feet. 750. 750 square feet. Well, that's still small. That's still small. And so today's episode is being taken live from a broadcast on a plane. He's literally got a little, like, switch, his laptop. He's passing the microphone back and forth to me. He's wearing his headphones, and I can barely hear anything. Okay, so, well, we're going to, we, you know, planes are such an interesting little, little place, right? And so we're up above the, we're probably hitting Pennsylvania. The flight just took off. You think we're already in Pennsylvania? We're probably over New Jersey. We probably are over dirty jurors. So we, today's episode, so we've been in quarantine for about five weeks and it has just been a little rough, a little rough, a little rough and tough, you know, it's, uh, it is, it is really difficult. What is it, do you think that's the most difficult quarantining? Um... What's the most difficult? That's a hard one. Probably just the uncertainty of when this is going to end, when we can go back, what's going to happen in the end, um, what life is going to look like on the other side. Are we going to have to wear these stupid masks for however long? Is our business going to go back to normal? I mean, I could go on and on. What about for you? Well, it just starts eating at you. Even if you're, like, a mental health professional, it starts to really eat at you when you're sitting in your apartment. I mean, we've tried to take walks, but even us having the greatest communication skills that we do, you know, it it's difficult. And uh, lots of people, lots of people are struggling lots of couples i can't talk that loud because there's people behind us but 
let me just give you a bird's eye view of what is happening here. So we are sitting the closest to first class that we've ever been seated in our life. I mean, oh yeah, you were in first class once. Who were, tell us that story. Oh, this is a good story of love, folks. Um, I was, where was I going? I was going, is that when we first met? Yeah, it was, okay. So I'm going to tell the story of what had happened. So Chris and I, I met him. He was on business. He works in fashion. He was here in New York. Well, there in New York. And uh, he was this kind of, I could tell he was this boho, bohemian person from Los Angeles. I had my Dodgers hat on. And uh, so we were, I was at a bar, and uh, I had left to go take a little trip and to the bathroom. And when I came back, there was this person this woman, Beverly, if you're out there, if it wasn't for you, we would not be in the place we are today. Do you want to pick it up from there? Sure. So I um, was visiting New York City from Los Angeles for work one September. If uh, there's fashion people out there, you know it's Fashion Month, uh, Spring Market. So I was here for about two, two and a half weeks. And I went to get a tattoo consultation at West Forth Tattoo in the village. And I looked up some gay bars in the area. And of course, Stonewall popped up. So I thought, wow, gay history. So I I walked over, it's probably a block away. And I went up to the bar and this lovely older gentleman named Tree was serving me. And there was a drink that was covered with a napkin right next to me. There was, like, no other seats. Um, I mean, all the seats were untaken. And um, this woman came by, tapped me on the shoulder, and said, Is anyone sitting here? I said, No. Uh, So she sat down with her friend. And then, like, ten minutes later, you showed up and tapped her on the shoulder and said, Excuse me, you're in my seat. Oh, so we can turn off those. Okay, well, thank you, sir. We sure will. Thank you. So let me take it from here. So this guy from Los Angeles has the most beautiful eyes. And I looked at him and... Well, Beverly, I said, you're in my seat. And she said, what did she say? She said, "Um, darling, I've been sitting here for the last 10 minutes. Worst Irish accent ever. (laughs) So then I'm like, so then this dude says to me, "Um, well. And then you said, I don't care. You're in my seat. And then Beverly said, well, uh, darling, I ain't moving. Pull up a chair. So you pulled up a chair, sitting, like, in between us, right behind us. And then 
<laughs> this guy says, well, why didn't you just um, put your jacket down if you wanted to sit there? And I said, save it. and I said, and you said, um, oh, so we could get snatched. So, and then he said, who is this jerk? And I was like, whatever. So then, you know, I closed out my tab and... You sat there and continued to talk to Beverly. And then I thought, after you guys were talking for a while, Beverly kept bringing me into the conversation because I... And I secretly wanted her to because I thought you were so hot. So hot. (laughs) Much skinnier back in that day. After this quarantine experience, we... We are going to do some running when I we're know, in Los we're Angeles. Both of our tummies on the plane sticking out over our belts. It's got to happen, people. So, back to the story. So, we're sitting there, and this guy, he's like, we start talking, and I'm like, where are you from? And he's like, I'm from Los Angeles. He's like, where are you from? And I had just, like, ended a job that day. And I was starting a new job. And it was the 13th of September. And he said, can I walk you to the train? Well, he said, can I come over to your house, your apartment? And I said, um, no. So what, how, did this, how did this date happen? How did what happen? Our first date. Well... I did. You're lying. I didn't say, can I come over? We were just making out, and I said, can I see you tomorrow? And I said, no, I'm teaching. I said, okay, what about Thursday? And I said, I teach, but I'm done at, like, 8.30. But I later found out that he had another date, which he canceled. <laughs> so I was supposed to go on a date guy but then I had canceled the date and it was interesting because you know I was you know how love moves so I let that guy know I couldn't go on the date but I kind of stood him up but that's okay yeah I wish people could see us right now with our masks and the setup sure so once we get done with the story we're gonna go just tell him what this looks like so Chris and I went out on our first date and then we were out until three in the morning and I said you know you can't well he told me um, when we were having our second drink after dinner um, that he was not going to sleep with me because he wanted this to be more than a one night stand so continued on to was it? No, this was oh, this yeah. was the, the dinner. So Thursday. And um, it was le- after, like, the third bar, he said, okay, well, it's too late for you to go home. It was, like, 3.30. So we went home, and le- needless to say... He spent the entire two weeks with me and never <laughs> went back to his hotel room again. Uh, my showroom kept making fun of me, saying, oh, coming back from Brooklyn today? So then we, it was love. And I gave you my manuscript of my memoir. 
because we had seen each other all week and it was like, oh, we're in love. And we cried and I said, I'm never going to see this guy again. I'm going to give him my manuscript to my memoir, which is White Trash in a Pretty Package. And you were sitting next to a woman. Well, you wrote me you wrote me a secret letter that I found later, right? Well, yes. I wrote you a letter and I gave you my book. And then um, and then lo and behold, we were like sitting there and and you were on the plane. That's how we were talking about first class. So you were on the plane and you were sitting next to I don't remember her name, but she is um, a pretty famous actress. She's a comedian. Um, she was on that show um, that's like Friends, but I cannot recall the name. We'll give it to you later. We'll give it to you later in the description. So, how meaningful was that? And so, we did, he flew back and we were together I mean we did long distance we met in September the 13th and so September, October, November December, January, February March, April oh we're in our three years of you living in New York when? yeah you you. so we did long distance for eight months and it was every night we were in a long-distance relationship, which, how was that for you, being in a long-distance relationship? It was difficult, to say the least. It was frustrating. It was annoying. It was, um, I had so many different emotions, highs and lows, and I didn't know if it could work. I didn't know how I could remain faithful to this guy that was you know, 3,000 miles away. I didn't know if it was going to go anywhere, if I should stop dating. Um, There was just a lot of questions that remained unanswered. I didn't think I was going to move to New York City. Um, But, you know, never say never. I wanted to. Kind of made it happen in, one January. That was the plan. Yeah, so we had said, like, we were in, you know, long distance and we started talking. I mean, we were spending so much on flights. Well, your job, you would be like, can I go work in New York? And so he would come work in the showroom in New York. And it just happened that in April, you moved here. You flew here. Yeah. Yeah, in February, I spent three weeks here and that was kind of like the test um, from the New York office on if we can make this work and how logistically we're going to do it and um, I was kind of shadowing the person whose role I was going to take over she did not know she was getting let go unfortunately and um, I mean luckily for me but Carissa if you're out there I'm sorry but thank you Clarissa thank you you for getting fired so yeah so then you moved here and it was like we just really like it was rough I would say the first year was rough we were 
it was rough because we were I moved into his Brooklyn apartment and let me let me just paint a picture for you um, railroad style apartment small hallway in Bed-Stuy um, older Caribbean what Okay, yeah, fuck him. Um, older Caribbean neighborhood. So, I mean, a little bit homophobic. I have never been gay bashed in my entire life living in Los Angeles. And the second I moved to New York City, to Bed-Stuy, I had never been so gay bashed in my entire life, which is so unfortunate. Um, but, so, small railroad apartment. Sorry, I got sidetracked. And his bedroom was probably, um, what, 10 by 10, if that. If that. 10 by 10, barely a closet space. There was this, like, window that was protruding from the, the square, and there was a, a, a rod there for his clothes. We added a second rod underneath for more clothes. I mean, I don't even know where we put my luggage. Oh, we put it in the in the living room yeah remember it was, it was rough and then we moved into our first apartment in Astoria and then we lived in an apartment there for a year and that was like the first year was just a really rough year I think every relationship and this is you know it was hard like we you know it was like getting to understand each other getting to really be able to just learn how to grow with one another and it was it was tough and we were we went from not living together at all to living together right and i mean the beginning of this quarantine kind of gave me uh like first year vibes oh my god maybe that's what we were i mean i thought so then we'll get to that so then we moved into another apartment. My daughter passed away, and that was a shit show of a year. And then things last year started to get kind of normal, where we were, things were just really good, you know? Shout out to our couples therapist, Kimia. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, all couples, and I'm pretty, and, and I'm going to be open about it because I think that it's important. You know, I had my own trauma loss of stuff and it was really impacting our relationship and you know as somebody who was providing couples therapy um it was really important to be active with the couples therapist and i mean it's really changed us 100 percent and helped us and you know it's uh it's been a good good ride and uh so this is uh we have our baby, our little fur babies, Al and Bob, with us. Bob Noodle. Bob Noodle. So, Al was my former partner in I's cat, and I had left him with him. And then I think I wrote, I needed a letter from him, and he was like, Oh, and by the way, do you want to take Al? And he said he didn't have time for him. So I was like, okay. So Chris was like, let's go get your cat. Well, I had never had a pet before. My mom growing up was, you know, had dog phobia. 
and I never liked cats. I thought they were mean and um, not loving and cuddly and sweet, but boy was I wrong. They are best, best, best friends. So we've been to LA a few times and we've taken Al with us. He was originally called Aladar. And I was like, he's not an Aladar. He lo-, but when I'm mad at him, he I call him Al. Aladar? Aladar. But so when we're like sitting there and we were like, let's get Al a friend. How that was back in January, right? No, that was last July. That was last June. Oh, Bob Noodle. So we his original name was Barton. Shout out to Justina. Oh, Justina. And so there's this little. We wanted to get a little a little kitten because Al was an older gentleman, about seven years old when I had adopted him, and um, we wanted to get a little kitten. The story keeps changing. First he was four, sometimes he was six, now he's seven. No, he's, like, it's, I got, no, I got him when he was, like, seven. He was a cat from the Bronx. And then we, so we've been seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. He's, like, twelve, thirteen. Okay. So we decided that we wanted to get Bob a little friend. And, or get Al a little friend. And there's this, it's a rescue in New York City called Puppy Kitten. Puppy Kitty NYC. Puppy Kitty NYC, and I will mention them. Yeah, thank you, Courtney Grant, for turning us onto him, turning onto them. Courtney um, is one of the fantastic buyers of Forward by Elise Walker. Actually, I think she's just for Elise Walker. Um, Courtney, thank you so much. Bob Noodle is like our little baby. So Bob, he was originally Barton, and then it changed to... We were sitting at the 4th of July with my little goddaughter, Maya, who's... How old is Maya? Maya is now four. And so we were like... She was two at the time. She was two at the time, and she says, how did she go from two to four in a year? She was three. She was three, right. I always think she was two. Anyway, so Richard wanted to name him Bob, and I wanted to name him Noodle, because he's, he's a ginger, and he looks like a, like a little long noodle. He's, like, skinny and lanky. And um, so this genius three-year-old... As we're talking to her parents about this, goes Bob Noodle. <laughs> so yeah, Bob is our our youngest fur baby, and so our last fur baby until the the older one goes on to Rainbow Bridge. Bite your tongue. He's not gonna go. But anyway, so so chris's grandmother passed away a couple weeks ago from coronavirus um and she was 80 how old was she 89 and um you know chris is really close with his with his mother and he's really close with uh his family and so we decided that 
you know, we, we need to go memorialize her, maybe go visit her grave when we're there. Yeah, that would be nice. Yeah. And then I want to do the murder mystery tour solo in a car. We're going to go with his sister and his mom, and uh, we're, we're going to go there. But, yeah, so we sedated the kids, and Al, we had to take him to go to the, uh, the vet today to get his shots, and we're now on Alaskan air, and we're just flying high. Up in the sky? Yeah, joining the Mile High Club. So, so I just want to give you, I've never sat this close to first class, you know, but there's not even, how many people would you say are on this plane? He's looking around. Probably a dozen, maybe 20. 20? Yeah, it's not that many people on this plane. The airports are empty. I mean, it feels really weird. Everybody has a mask on. Right now, I have a mask on. Chris has a mask on. And we are on the plane here. And uh, have you ever thought... I mean, there's all... I was just in the laboratory. And I just don't... It's so small. So let's talk about the Mile High Club. Okay. What about it? So... Is, do you think it's like a legend or do you think it's like a myth or do you think it's like a possible because I don't even see how you could have sex in the bathroom well A you have to have a private plane because that's the only way you're going to join the Mile High Club if you've ever flown on a plane you know that there's no way you're doing it in there um, we're gay so I don't know. I've never had straight sex, but I imagine it's not going to work in there. Um, unless she's, like, straddling the uh, sink and he's, like, standing in front of her. I don't know. Um, gay sex can probably be a little more easily managed back there. Uh, pun intended. I mean, I think if somebody joined the Mile High Club... It would probably be... Yeah, but this is, this is the time that you do it with no one on the plane. No one's going to notice. Sure. You could totally get away with giving a handy. At least. Yeah. On the plane. That, I mean, my God, genius. But we're not going to do that. We, I have a license to protect. Well, yeah. And it's just, you know, no judgment, but... It really is such a weird situation. So we have been in quarantine for the past five weeks, and it is rough. I mean, I think, I think that is what has been the... I think that is what it's reminding me of that first year when we were sitting in that apartment. I think you identified it well. Yeah. But, I mean, like, we're both working from home. Right. right, we had to figure out the first week and set some rules and guidelines um, just for each other and how we were going to maneuver this whole situation. Because I'm, like, I'm talking to um, you. No one knows what I do on this podcast, but I work in fashion and we do wholesale 
So we're like the middleman between the designer and the stores. So as you can imagine, the fashion industry has come to a halt. And every single store is trying to call and cancel their spring-summer orders, cut back their fall orders. All my uh, salespeople out there understand the struggle right now. I mean, so does everyone. I get it. This is just a unique uh, industry right now that we're kind of struggling with. If you're on Instagram, you should follow Agency Spears. It's hilarious. Kind of gives you a background on what we deal with on the daily. Anyway, um, so I've been on conference calls and I, I do it on speaker because I'm typing and just you know at my little desk and Richard is doing sessions so we had to figure out where we were going to do everything so Richard took the bedroom and um, I got him a little sound machine so I don't hear his sessions because he's very um, cautious and HIPAA compliant and <laughs> and as best as I can sure. I think it's I mean I think it's like it is a real struggle you know and I'm not always having sessions but it's like I want to watch 90 Day Fiance and Chris is like having a crisis in the you know the fashion department like and it's hard it's it's rough yeah and I hate 90 Day Fiance it's probably the worst show I've ever seen even though I've the last couple episodes have been growing on me what was the show that you were like I totally so we are very different when it comes to television he likes shows like The Real Housewives The Simpsons oh yes The Simpsons all of those like adult cartoons like Bob's Burgers um, Futurama um What's that other one you hate? Family Guy. Family Guy. Um, no, I'm thinking Big Big Bang Theory. Oh, I hate all those yeah. American Dad. I just absolutely despise those shows. Luckily for me, he's um, secretly starting to enjoy the Kardashians. So Chris is a is an Armenian, right? Armenian American. And you were born in... Yerevan. 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 And when he was eight days old? 30. 30. His mother... So was your cousin Alex, right? My cousin was born here. Oh. Norik was born. Oh, Norik. So they were brought over here when they were eight days old. You went through nationalization as for being a citizen. Naturalization. Naturalization. That's what I said. Yeah. But, so, we watched the Kardashians. Yep. And I used to really despise that. Um, but you had never watched the show before. And I watch it. And I will say, Kemi K, girl, if you want to come on my show, you are more than welcome. I have grown to lo- really like you. Now I do bias for Chloe. Yeah, but she's doing, I mean, they're all doing really amazing things. Kim especially um, in terms of culturally for the Armenian people she has brought. I think she you can quote me on this she has single-handedly gotten the United States to recognize the Armenian genocide. I mean Chloe? No, Kim. 
Oh, Kemi K, girl, we love you. She started the whole conversation, even though, you know, I had been lobbying in Washington, D.C. since I was probably 17 years old, meeting senators, congressmen. Um, Adam Schiff, who led the impeachment hearings, one time sat us down and said, you are not going to get this passed until you get Christian white America in the Midwest, in the South, the rednecks to, he didn't say rednecks, to make this a religious issue. And when you can make it a Christian versus other. We have a word from our sponsor. We are waiting on the pilots. I feel like something's going to be sad. I think they just want you to put your seatbelt on. Oh, put your seatbelt on. It is beautiful outside. So I think we are flying past Indiana right now. (laughs) I don't think so. (laughs) Um, Indiana is a a two-hour flight. Oh, really? Okay. So maybe we're in Ohio. Oh. They might get a little bit turbulent. Thank you. Can I go back to the Armenian Genocide? Yes. Obviously, this is a a, a topic near and dear to my heart, so it comes up always. And um, two days from now, um, April 24th, is the commemoration of the Armenian Genocide. 105 years later this year, and um, I lost my train of thought. What was I saying? So two years ago today, Chris, you were speaking in Times Square. I was so proud of you. It popped up on my memories, on my Facebook memories. You were at the Armenian, Armenian, and I was like, I came in and I showed him and I said, there's this sexy guy that's like speaking about the Armenian genocide. But if you've not seen it, you need to see The Promise. Right. Good movie. So, one is it 1.5 million Armenians were brutally murdered by the Turks. Empire. The Ottoman Empire. And I, I like to stress that it was the Ottoman Empire because I don't like to say the Turks because today's Turks are not responsible for what happened back by their, you know, Talat Pasha and this, um, you know, this dictatorship. And so I, um, I just like to uh, make that um, known because we have Turkish friends who get upset when I talk about the genocide. But I'm not saying anything about them. It's, it's what happened 105 years ago. You've really came a long way. I have, haven't I? Yeah, because we I used to see a Turkish doctor, and you were like, no, you can't see a Turkish doctor. Well, I used to joke that he was going to poison him once he found out that his partner was Armenian. <laughs> and they, uh, anyhow, so, again, the Ottoman Empire, but, you know, the thing is, is that it's just some recognition. It would be like the Holocaust occurring, and then nobody recognizing and saying it was like a hoax. So, anyways, Kimmy K. Thank you, Kimmy K. But, so Kimmy K, I think, started the conversation. But um, what recently happened with Turkey? Oh, the whole Russia situation and Syria. So, the United States, we went into Syria, as we know. And um, 
Mr. Donald Trump, who, you know, let's not go into politics, but Mr. Donald Trump pulled our troops out of Syria, which, by the way, was a disaster, this whole Syrian situation. They have decimated the whole country, not only Americans, Russians, Turks, everyone. And um, so Turkey started to... Um, genocide the Kurds very recently and they were going into Syria and they started to um, murder people murder the, the Kurds um, and the Syrians and um, in retaliation the United States recognized the Armenian genocide which you know is not the way I would have wanted it to go down but it happened and I'm thankful and we are writing history, R-I-G-H-T, not W-R. Thank you, Adam Schiff, for your love, support of the gays, of the Arminians, and thank you, Kimmy K, for bringing a voice to your people. Okay, so that's how we got onto that whole thing about the Arm. Back to Adam Schiff, he was right. Adam Schiff recognized we have to talk a little low because there's okay this guy behind us is asleep I mean people are starting to zonk out because their Xanax is kicking oh, in take mine anyhow so so there are shows that I do not like and there are shows that Chris does not like but we have learned to coexist and so tomorrow you are going to be 33? 32. Oh, 32. 1988. And he's a Taurus. God. He says that sarcastically because anytime I say, well, I'm a Taurus, when I am trying to, um, um, what's the word, um, explain my personality and my stubbornness, so, anyhow, we're just going to move on forward. So, we are riding on a plane. We are technically in the Mile High Club. I'm sure somebody somewhere in some plane is having themselves a grand old day at the somewhere in some plane. If you're going to do it, folks, now is the time to get a handy, to make a friend. Does a handy count to join the club? I mean, I feel like any of those things really count. Well, I guess, but not if you ask Bill Clinton. Oh, well, no, he got a blowjob. Yeah, but he didn't, quali- he didn't classify that as sex. No, he didn't. And there is this documentary. There are two documentaries that we watched and we really absolutely love. The first one is the Notorious RBG up on, is that on Netflix? I think so, yeah. And the other one is the Hillary Clinton documentary. Um, I think it's just called Hillary. It's on Hulu? I'm not sure. Hulu or Amazon or one of those. So, yeah. So that's what we're doing. We have the kids with us in the plane. And they're just sleeping they're sedated they're both really high and they're yeah so we're on the plane you know it's been really interesting we've uh when we were home 
we were doing a virtual Saturdays. Yep. With our friends through Google Meetups, and it was a lot of it was a lot of fun and Zoom, and we're gonna still do that, and it will be a nice time. Uh, Chris is a big Cher fan. Yeah. Why? Why are we mentioning Cher? Because maybe if she's listening for your birthday, she'll. I I tried to go on Cameo because you know I don't do online shopping. I just don't. I do not order things online unless there's things services that I do order for my business. But I'm just not. I need to fill an experience. And I tried to look for share up on Cameo. I was going to pay a thousand dollars to have her say "Happy Birthday." Chris, so but she's not on there and uh, so yeah, so we're going to LA Um, what are we going to do when we're in LA? I mean, there's not a whole lot we can do we're going to work from home uh, from my mom's house we're going to I think we're going to have to quarantine ourselves a little bit, right? Um, we, I'd like to take some birds out and by birds, I mean those electric little uh, stand-up scooters that you can ride around. We don't have those in New York City for obvious reasons, because we have the craziest taxi cab drivers. Oh my god, those things are so fun. We went to Venice Beach, and we just took some birds and rode on the, on the boardwalk, and it was a lot of fun. And Yeah, so, yeah... Well, uh, I think that's all for today. It's uh, been a really good episode. And thank you, Chris, for being on the episode. You're welcome, Papa. That's our little name for each other. Papa C and Papa R, because we are. We're two Papas to two baby kittens. Al and Bob Noodle, so myself, Chris, Al and Bob Noodle. Wish you a wonderful quarantine. If you have any questions that you'd like to, you know, to, to share, please feel free to, you know, just write me in. Uh, and I'd be glad to answer those questions. Uh, I was going to do a special pre-recording guest, and I have another guest that I'm going to be doing. So, not doing, but having on the show um and so i'm really 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 excited you know uh i think that's kind of it chris do you have anything else um not really thank you for listening to our regurgitation of (laughs) everything of our love story yeah A, a a story of like a phoenix to the like a moth to the flame burned by the fire what are you, you going to call this episode something coronavirus couple coronavirus couple or maybe I'll call it the mile high club what about conscious coupling during corona and the mile high club ooh conscious coupling during the coronavirus from LA love from LA to New York so thank you again uh the music today is brought to you by dj chauncey dean and van hector 
53 Christopher Street. Feel free to go on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you download your music. Again, that's 53 Christopher Street. Um, My name is Dr. Richard Mills, and you have been listening to Talk Sucks with